0: Welcome to the Aroma of Christ podcast, brothers and sisters in Christ. I am Ryan Brown, the pastor of the Foster Warrior Baptist Church, and the hope behind this podcast is to do nothing in any way to replace regular gathering among God's people. It is for the sake of mutual encouragement of one another through the singing and preaching ministry that we gather. But if you do happen to miss a week and want to keep up in Matthew, or if you want to re-listen to a sermon because it was particularly impactful or particularly confusing, this podcast is available to you. And so we continue on the Aroma of Christ, Sermons from the Pulpit of Fosteria Baptist Church. Our scripture reading this week is going to be from Psalm 1. So that is obviously the introduction to the book of Psalms. In my view, the first part of a two-part introduction to the book of Psalms. But it commends a certain way of living and says that the man who is blessed is one who doesn't listen to those who are wicked, but instead delights in the law of the Lord, in the Torah of the Lord, in the Lord's instruction. And based off of this meditation upon the torah of the lord he becomes a tree and he becomes rooted next to the waters of the torah and so bearing forth fruits and prospering so it's commending for us a, a way of life that is focused in upon what we can learn and glean from god's instruction meditation upon the lord And as Psalm 2 then continues the introduction to the Psalter, we find that the one who meditates therein becomes wise not in just how to live rightly, but wise in regard to the Son of God, the Messiah, the King upon the holy hill, the Lord's chosen one, because that after all is what the scriptures are all about. The scripture in Psalm 1 reads like this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, shall perish. If you would, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Today we'll be looking at verses 38 through 42. At this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has just given... told about the Good Samaritan, the expert in the law has went away with the charge, go and do that likewise. And then Luke continues his narrative on, and as is fairly typical for Luke's gospel, Jesus is traveling. The goal of this sermon is to hopefully cast something of a vision for the upcoming year. The goal could also be said is to help that we catch some of the prioritization that Jesus himself sets. And so with that in mind, let's read from Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. Father, we come before you again thanking you for all that you have done for us, and in particular for your gift of your Son. We now have access through him to you. We speak by the Spirit of God in him, in his acceptance before you, so that we have you as a loving Father who cares for us. And Lord, in light of that relationship that you have brought us into, we ask that you would be with us today. We know that you are always with us because you will not leave us. We know that you are always with us because you are everywhere, but we do ask that you would particularly have your spirit be working in our hearts so we can then say that you are with us in that sense of changing what's happening, changing our perspectives, and guiding us to the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, and I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Like any good storyteller, Luke begins this narrative by providing a bit of a setting. And it starts by simply saying that Jesus and the disciples are traveling. They're moving about. Now it came to pass, as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling and Jesus enters into a certain village The name isn't given. And we're introduced to a woman named Martha and immediately she welcomes Jesus. She receives him. And the idea would be that she received him into her home and she offered him hospitality while he's going on this particular journey. And if we think through what we've seen in terms of hospitality being offered within scripture, we know that there would be high expectations of what the service and duty would require. Tom mentioned a little bit about Abraham in Genesis eighteen. They were the three men who came to him, and he didn't have a house to welcome them into, but he still received them, gave them a spot in the shade under a tree, and then set to work providing food. Get the fatted calf ready. we got to have a meal for these strangers that are on their journey that we've welcomed into our abode, as it were, to receive this welcome from us. And so it's expected that Martha would be doing a lot of work. It's also would be expected that when we learn in verse 39 that she had a sister called Mary, that Mary would be helping her. If Michaela invites someone into the house and she's starting to be uh, trying to work on providing the meal, things aren't going well, it's time for dinner and the table's not set and everything's going amok, It would be very bad of me to not be helping her in that situation. So Mary, you would expect, would be joining Martha in what's going on. But instead, Luke says, And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving. You can see contrast between Mary sitting and Martha being cumbered, that is, distracted or dragged about. One lexicon of the Greek says that the word means that she is so overburdened by various distractions that she is worried and anxious. She's hurried and hassled, frenzied, She's frazzled. And given that Martha is overburdened in this way, so as to be worried and anxious, to be frazzled, frenzied, and hurried and hassled, it's unsurprising that with this setting, she'd be a bit concerned, a little annoyed, maybe even stronger than just annoyed. And so her comments in verse 40 does make sense But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Martha comes to Jesus from her much service. She comes and says, Lord. Do you not care that I am doing all of this alone? My sister is just sitting down, not partaking of the hospitality duties that happened as soon as I welcomed you into my home. Do you not care? She expects to be in the right, She expects that the answer to that question is most certainly yes. Jesus cares. The Lord cares that she's serving alone. And that confidence allows her to finish that by saying, Bid her, therefore, to come and help me. She asks You could, if you were so inclined, say that she tells, but we at least could say that she asks Jesus to tell Mary to get up and get to work. And when we really think about what's happening, it makes sense. One commentator rightly explains her perspective as coming to him and saying, Lord, here I am with everything to do, and this sister of mine will not lay a hand to anything. We tend, I think, to have a similar perspective, that we want to see people getting to work in this type of a way, so we talk, sometimes in more complaining nature, about the church's 80-20 role, 80% of the work done by 20% of the people. We could have a lot of arguments because it gets a little bit more particular about individual people in that regard. But I think we can understand her sentiment of how she wants to get help in the service that she's doing. But even so, Luke has already told us that Mary sitting down was in order to listen at Jesus' feet. And then right after that, that Martha was cumbered dragged about, even distracted with much service. So though Martha is certain that she's in the right, Luke has already hinted to us that in fact she isn't. Which is what Jesus says in his short sermon, verses 41 to 42. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. At this point, you'd almost expect Luke to talk about how Mary and Martha responded in this moment of hospitality. Something about how this changed a little bit of perspective in both of them, but instead, there's no epilogue. There's no conclusion to the narrative other than that. And in chapter 11, 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Absolutely no continuation, which seems to highlight And help us to think through that this is what Luke wants us to see. This, what we have called short sermon by Jesus. But he says to Martha, Luke wants us to hear as said to ourselves as well. Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. He's describing her as anxious and concerned. He's pointing out the very thing we've already seen in regard to the word cumbered, dragged about, distracted. That she's hurried and hassled. She's anxious and troubled. She's frenzied and stressed. She may even be annoyed, angry. She's concerned about these many things. And so, of course, she's overwhelmed. She's focused on so much that Jesus gently says, Martha, Martha. And it doesn't just say you need to prioritize, but gives her a semblance of what type of priority is necessary. In contrast to the many things that she's careful and troubled about in verse 41, Jesus says in verse 42, one thing is needful. This is the one thing that she's distracted away from by her much service. And in so saying, Luke is not implying that service is somehow bad. As already mentioned, he did write this right after the Good Samaritan. Which the whole point is Jesus applauding the Samaritan for serving the the vulnerable and helpless individual. Taking him up taking care of his needs, making sure that all of the finances were taken care of as well so that he could get better. So he's not saying that service is bad or unwelcome. But he is making a point to say that there's one thing that is necessary for a disciple that much service can indeed distract you away from. And then he explains that. Verse 42 again. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What Martha thinks is Mary's laziness sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. The Lord. Jesus here says is the one thing that is needful. That it is the good part. Not good in contrast to bad, but best in contrast to good. And in this particular instance, he's hinting that good can be the enemy of best. That doing too much of the good things can prevent the one best thing, the one necessary thing, from actually happening. And so in regard to Martha's request of bid her come so that she will help me, he says this good part that she has chosen will not be taken away from her. I decline your request to have her come and help you because she has already chosen the better portion, the good part, the one necessary these five verses, this short passage and shorter sermon, Jesus has communicated his priorities as to what his Christ followers should do. Prominent New Testament scholar I. Howard Marshall aptly summarizes it this way. Service to Jesus must not fill people's lives to such an extent that they have no time to learn from him. One honors him more by listening to him than by providing excessively for his needs. And my summary would be quite similar. Listening to Jesus is the best way to serve him. Mary's listening at Jesus' feet, becoming a disciple in that sense, is the best way to serve Jesus rather than Martha's much service. Now we could make mention of two more implications. Martha calls Jesus Lord in verse 40, and in several places and several other translations other than the King James, you'd also see Luke himself saying Lord's feet in verse 39 and the Lord answered in verse 41. So you have this point that's more clearly stated elsewhere, but hinted at here that Jesus is Lord. But as Tom read from this morning, he is the I am that is Yahweh personal name for God. And you could also point out that given that Luke is rightly called the gospel for the outcast, the fact that this story involves two women is intentional. He's intentionally included this account of events to highlight that though the rest of the world may not care about womenly education, Jesus did, and Jesus does. Jesus doesn't limit his disciples to just men. But Luke's main idea is still clear. We do our best service when we sit down at his feet. When we listen to his word and we learn of him from him. And in many ways, that isn't that surprising. Because that's how any other relationship blossoms, too. There can be a lot of place for good service and gifts. Service and gifts can be something that really helps a relationship that has good communication. But it can never replace relationships that don't have good communication. It doesn't matter how many gifts you give or how much you do for another person if you never take the time to listen to them or talk to them. In his commentary on Luke, Ironside tells a story about a man and his daughter who spent evening after evening together, really got to be close. And the one time after dinner, the daughter asks to be excused. She goes to her room. He does not know what. He occupies himself with newspapers or whatever else. But night after night, Lonely evening after lonely evening starts to wear down. Eventually on Christmas Day, he's presented with the gift of crocheted slippers. And he says they are beautiful. But he also says, I would much rather have had you with me all these lonely evenings than to have these slippers, beautiful and comfortable as they are. And Ironside adds that Jesus then says, You have spent so many hours in service, and I would have rather had you at my feet. We could certainly learn from Martha's judgmentalism in verse 40. But what Luke really drives home is that we must put priority on what Jesus says is the one thing necessary, listening to him and his word. And I think there are two places where that truly comes out, personal daily worship and weekly corporate worship. So looking at daily worship and putting a priority on learning from Jesus and then responding to that learning in prayer, probably not accidental that prayer is what happens at first in chapter 11. Psalm 1, to meditate upon the law of the Lord, to meditate upon the Torah day and night, that is still our charge. To be having one thing needful, choosing the good portion, to daily sit at Jesus' feet. Now, I, I don't want you to mishear me, Especially when you're saying this around the new year, people might start getting ideas of, okay, let's make she's asking us to do a read the Bible in a year program or something of that sort. Nothing wrong with those programs, but also nothing that is required of those programs either. In terms of daily worship, I'm doing one of my quickest read throughs of the Bible, and it's going to take somewhere between two to What I am encouraging you to do is make an appointment to read the Bible. Now, I know that some of you are are using other things, devotional books, our daily bread, uh, things produced by Alistair Begg or Charles Spurgeon. Those are all good things, but just like time with Jesus can't be substituted by service, Time in the Bible cannot be substituted by any other devotional thing. Time in the word that God inspired is necessary. But don't make it a burden. Don't say you have to get through it in a certain amount of time unless you're that type of person who really works well under that type of pressure. Just take the time to read it. If it helps you to have an audiobook reading it to you, there are plenty of those resources available. You can have your Bible open and listen to it at the same time. When things are confusing, you have resources of commentaries, study Bibles, my personal favorite resource in that particular situation, friends who have read the Bible before. So let's commit to putting a priority upon learning from the word in daily worship, and let us do the same in terms of putting a priority upon learning in corporate worship. When I first created and started having greeters downstairs, I intentionally had it be that there were two people all the time. And it seemed like it, it was a good idea. And then there were times when I was st- sitting down there or with Lewis and just being like, this feels a little redundant. Feels like there's too many people missing Tom Sunday school class, given how few people come between like 9.35 and 10.05 or 10.10. And so the most recent greater schedule began with these words. I am under the impression that having two people miss Sunday school for this purpose is bonkers. I was watching something with a British character at the time. More people getting the teaching, the better. And so that has led to the system that you would have seen me execute today, where I was downstairs until five minutes after Sunday school started, came in to hear most of Tom's lesson and left a little bit early. To continue being the second person for Greeter. There's another example that comes to mind a children's worker who, at the time of restarting different things, restarting different ministries, was noticing that she was signed up Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday evening. I'm just kind of like, I want one of those. Disappoint gone. <laughs> Here to listen and learn. We need to follow that example, to make it a priority to learn, to be as present as we can be, as often as we can be, to hear the word as it is taught. Both of these priorities are not super easy. It means there are delays. It may mean some things that don't get done. But Jesus sets this priority, and he sets it for us in such a way that is, in fact, actually quite beautiful. And to give us a final motivation to follow Jesus' priority and make the hard decisions necessary... I want us to turn to 1 Peter 3, verses eight, verse 18. Peter, at this point, is encouraging Christians to suffer. He's about to use the example of Christ's suffering, how he was killed and raised again, to encourage us all the more to suffer as necessary, knowing that there is a future glorification. So 1 Peter 3.18 begins that by saying, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. It's beautiful. And so much beauty that is presented here. Christ hath suffered once. That's once for all. The point that Peter makes there is that there's no need for any future sacrifice by Christ or anyone or anything else. It's done. It is finished upon that cross. It's also the just for the unjust, which is very important from the standpoint of all of us are unjust. We all do things that are an offense to God and cause us to be separated from him. We lie, we steal, we are dishonest in our dealings, we aren't thankful to him as we should be. But the just one, the only just one, God himself, Jesus Christ, died the just for the unjust. And though he was put to death in the flesh, he was quickened by the Spirit. And now we can just say so confidently with Paul in Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you don't have that hope in you, if you haven't accepted this, do so today. It's a great thing to rejoice in A great, pleasant opportunity to not be punished eternally, but to be with God eternally, worshiping Him and loving Him. To be in eternal rest and bliss from all our toil. Toil against our sin. Toil because the ground doesn't give the fruit as easily. There's also in this verse. A reason given. That's beyond just the fact that we needed it. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. To those who did receive him, he gave them power to become children of God. We are saved. Jesus went through this for many reasons, but one of them was so that we, sinners, separated from God because of our sin, would be brought to Him and indeed be able to address Him as Father. Not a mere slave, slaving away in all sorts of much service, but a son and daughter. Christ died to bring us into relationship with the triune God. And relationships stagnate without communication. So if we have this great thing to be in relationship and we have the great gospel reality of being brought into relationship through the blood of Jesus Christ, we ought to be able to make it, not to try to make it a priority, to listen to him and his word in daily times and in times of corporate gatherings so that our relationship with God the Father and with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit would blossom so that we, planted by the waters of the word, would bear fruit in its season and whatsoever we would do would prosper. Father, do comfort, and encourage us to follow the one needful thing. I ask that you would guide us, you would direct our hearts to put these things into practice, to think rightly and well about how you desire us to listen to you. (laughs) Listening is indeed the best service we can give. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Aroma for Christ, summers from the pulpit of the Faustoria Baptist Church. Do you remember Second Corinthians two, fifteen through sixteen? For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things?